And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Really fun show for you guys today. It's great to be back. We're going to be digging into the biggest off-season questions for every NFC team. We're going to do the AFC tomorrow with Lindsay, but I wanted to start with the NFC, and I wanted to start with my good buddy, Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. You In like wrestling and I think boxing, they call it ring rust. Like when you, you haven't been in for a while and you have to get back. <laughs> I got like microphone rust. Like I actually even just setting this up right now as we were talking before the show, I was kind of just going like, I'm doing this right. And it's only been two weeks, but it's like, that's how easily it just escapes the brain. <laughs> it really does. I re- it really does. I'm going to screw up a bunch while we're doing this. I took a vacation. My vacation consisted of me watching 16 movies in 12 days on my couch. So that's what I, that, that was my vacation. What was the podium of those 16? Uh, I, I thought Nomadland was amazing, but I went yeah, back I and saw I, you talking about that. I thought it was amazing. I thought it was like just a beautiful kind of meditation on grief and loss and purpose and all of that stuff that interests me that is very sad, but I, it was a pleasure to think about in that context. And then I'm actually going back through Roger Ebert's The Great Movies book, and there are a yeah. hundred of them in there. So I'm going back through that and like taking detours when I feel like it's appropriate. So every once in a while, like I watched the Mike Nichols documentary on HBO and that sent me back through like five Mike Nichols movies, stuff like that. So I'm allowing, I'm allowing myself to explore these little offshoots while kind of having a path forward. And you know how Steven Soderbergh does his, the media diet every year, like every day he charts what he watched and everything else. I'm not doing that, but I am listing every movie I watch, even if it's a rewatch, just to kind of keep myself a little bit more disciplined with my time and be intentional. I like that. As a guy that has a Google Keep app that I keep my favorite top 10 favorite movies list updated, probably every six months I look at it. And I also keep a list going of movies I want to watch before I die or like next movies to watch list when I get my choice. You know, it's always a uh, it's a compromise deciding <laughs> which movies and I, I I can go for some from some weirder, weirder stuff. But you know, but like some of those movies, I actually was just talking to some of our mutual friends about this. Uh, but I was like, you know, a movie like Chinatown. I've never seen Chinatown, but it's like a Chinatown's movie that's on my I, list. That's that's what I need to see this year. Like that's a movie I've been wanting to watch. I've never actually. You've never seen, seen it ever. Bull. Never seen Chinatown. Never seen Raging oh, Bull. God, Those I've are like seen my them. two. As a guy, I, that I consider myself a movie nerd. Like I'm very disappointed in myself <laughs> having not seen those movies. Those I those are on my rewatch list, but I have seen them. Okay. I had never seen Who's Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf. That was like my first. Oh, watch nice. that I'd never seen before. So stuff like that. But that's one of those things I into- learned. I I learned about the Simpsons uh, joke about it before I learned what they're actually making fun <laughs> of. Because I watched the Simpsons when I was way too young, and then now, uh, like later on, when I watch it again, I'm like. Oh, that joke did not hit when I was 12, but oh, yeah, yeah. That, that's, it's a lot funnier now. So we're going to go through all of the NFC teams today and kind of ask what we see 
as the biggest question facing them this offseason. I just thought it would be a useful table setter as we get into the pre-free agency, pre-draft period here. And almost homework that I would do anyway that we could just kind of repackage as a podcast conversation. So we're just going to go through all of these. It's going to be a lot of big picture questions. It's not going to be what is Team X going to do at left guard. I think that that, to me, that's a little silly. This is more of a what's the direction, what's the plan, kind of figuring out the mindset of these teams as we get started into this very strange offseason. So we're going to go division by division, and let's start with the NFC South and the defending champs. My big question facing the Bucs, and I think this is kind of the only one for them. I'll be curious what you would have to say. How much of this championship roster can they keep intact? I mean, that's really it. I mean, you have all of these guys hitting free agency. Chris Godwin, Levante David, Shaq Barrett. So what can they do to retain what was and proved to be arguably the most complete roster in the entire NFL last year? Yeah, not to be redundant. My question, how I wrote out was, how much are the Bucks prepping for 2021 and how much are the Bucks setting themselves up for a post-Brady world? Like, and that's just a, a yeah. longer way to say exactly what you said. And yeah, and that's what it, it's fun. I mean, that's a fun situation to be in as a franchise. Yeah, Super Bowl champs, no kidding. But it's also just <laughs> they're in that <laughs> they're in that uh that kind of point in time where it's like they could do two options. I mean, they could go all they can continue to go all in, say, hey, we might sacrifice some things in the future, but you know, but we're setting up for 2021. But I'm so curious to see how they navigate the free agency uh, uh with all their guys. Like cause they can come down to a real philosophical argument of who they decide between you know it, it's like you seeing who they are appeasing or seeing what their philosophy is as a team um with some of the guys they got going like it, it might come down to chris godwin or shaq barrett like it, it honestly might come down for him like where they have to pick one of those guys and it's really just interesting it, it's it's fun seeing what team what teams prioritize themselves years and years we'd see belichick trade guys trade away guys like no problem we'll see other guys like you know Whoever they draft, they're going to re-sign because we got to protect the draft picks. So I'm curious what how you know Shaq Barrett's a guy they brought in a one year rental, franchised him. Chris Godwin is a guy they have de- uh, has developed along, and you know we love him on this podcast. It's curious. I'm just really curious how to see how they navigate all these contracts because that is going to be very telling how 2021 and beyond is going to go in the post Brady world. It feels like they, with the right moves, can bring them all back in a way that's not crazy. Like some of the gymnastics that'll have to happen for these teams requires some real risks and some real accounting that pushes money into future years. But if you're looking at the Bucks cap right now, and I hate doing like the online cap manager guy because some of this stuff is a little bit more nebulous than we think it is. But right now they have like $13 million in cap space according to Over the Cap. If they trade OJ Howard and release a guy like William Golston, that frees up another $12 million right there. So you're at 25 then. Let's say they franchise Godwin for 16. They sign Levante David and Shaq Barrett to extensions with a lot of signing bonus, low base salaries to pump those numbers down in 2021. And so Mike Evans has a $12.3 million hit. Let's say they borrow from that a little bit because that's something they feel comfortable doing because he's going to be around for a while. That Mm -hmm. is not like a crazy sequence of moves. And that brings back everybody that they want to bring back. So it's not as if they're this championship caliber roster that's $20 million over and they've got to worry about how they're going to prune this. They're not that up against it. Their cap is actually much, much cleaner than some of these other teams that are not nearly as well positioned as they are. Yeah, and being in that position, what they have done 
just inadvertently just the talent they have. They don't need anybody. Do you exactly. get what I mean? Like they, yep. there is not one guy like Shaq Barrett. They're like, we we have to break the bank for him, guys. Like we have, what, what does he need? Twenty five? Like you know, like they they're not they're not having that conversation. It's more like, hey, we're picking the best of the bunch, and which ones are going to work for us? That and that's kind of like going back to my first point. Just kind of saying, I'm curious. I'm, I'm really curious which one they prioritize. But like you said, there's ways they can navigate this. Not many teams have this quote unquote problem of having too many good tight ends to pay. <laughs> like they have three legitimate number one tight ends on there. I mean, I'm considering camera break camera break should be a, a starting why for somebody in this league. And that's why I think he's a trade candidate. I think you could yes. get something decent for him. He, I think he has a $6.4 million base salary. That's it. Oh my God. Teams should be sniffing. Like, I mean, you, I mean, you're not going to get anything better in this draft. Uh, I mean, other pits and everything or like uh, uh, no tight ends hit the market ever. Like Austin Hooper did, but you know, he still has some blemishes. He's a good player, but it's like, you know, Cameron Bridge, damn good player. It's like, this could be a likely, you know, somebody should be sniffing around and seeing what, Hey, which one, which one are you guys preferring? Are you, you going, you're getting rid of OJ Howard just as he was starting to really, some light bulbs are starting to go off or are you going to get rid of Cameron Bridge? Yeah, I, I feel like Gronk's a lock to stay there on a discount. Like it just if that makes sense to me, it just feels that way. This is a team that's interesting because I was talking to somebody today and he was discussing how they don't typically give out a lot of signing bonus money. They're a pay as you go sort of team. And if you look at how clean their cap is right now, you see that you see that it's a lot of base salaries. They don't push that money into further years a lot. But now with the cap being depressed and them wanting to bring this core back, do we see them go to some places that they typically wouldn't go? And that's going to be a familiar conversation here as we get into this offseason with the cap going down as much as it had. So when I look at David and Barrett, it's a really interesting kind of thing. David's 31. He's made $54 million in the NFL. He's a guy where it's like, he's not too bad. I mean, trust me, we we can't talk about how much I love (laughs) Devontae David enough. But he's a guy where it's like, would you come back for like 80 cents on the dollar and maybe he does Barrett is 28 he's made less than half of that in his career about 60 percent of it last season he's the guy that's going to want to cash in so it's just different Mm. considerations for different guys how do they navigate that I think that's the biggest question but like you said they're in a very good spot like I have a need section under all of these for them I put question mark it's just they don't have any they're in a, a really good position even for a team that just won the Super Bowl yeah, and they're the second team in this division recently to just crush a draft. And you yep. can see how fran- – no, I, I get. trust me, getting number 12 back there is obviously franchise-altering. But hitting two, three – not just getting starters, but hitting two or three good starters, much less all-pro as a rookie, like a right tackle, Tristan Wirfs, but, and, and Antonio Winfield and other guys they got. But like it shows just nailing some picks like – and turning the and those guys like the, we've just seen the Saints do it and just totally reconfigure really the whole league because the Saints were looked like it was like Drew Brees is entering his last stage of his career but that last stage became a whole different animal when they nailed those drafts and you just see that the Bucks did the same thing they just changed their window a little bit if they didn't nail that, that draft first off they probably didn't win the Super Bowl but second off that window is like non-existent now now they have a, a lot of stuff that they could play with so let's get to that team that you just mentioned the New Orleans Saints. The cap is hilarious. I was looking at it today. And so right now there's $70 million over the cap. And that's with the Drew Brees restructure, taking his number down to 12 and a half million. There's so much to consider here. But my overarching question is essentially, what does the rebuild slash retool look like? So, and what I mean by that is, 
how much of this do they tear down? How many guys have to be left on the cutting room floor because they just can't get by when it comes to the cap? And I don't know the answer to that. I think that a lot of guys are going to be right on the bubble. It's going to be guys like Emmanuel Sanders, Janoris Jenkins, Malcolm Brown, guys that you don't want to lose necessarily, but you don't have the luxury of keeping anymore. Yeah, you can't have it all. Like it, Maxing yourself out like they do or beyond maxing, I, I don't even know what what's beyond max <laughs> what they do with the contract it's you put yourself in some of these situations like when you have a guy that breaks out and like trey hendrickson and like that's like that's a contract i'm curious like how they how they're going to work with him and i i just laugh always with they the have Saints to I, lose I fit- him right like that's th- those are the sort of luxuries you can't have anymore is third pass rushers that's about about to say is that the, every year we do this with the Saints. And I mean, I think this now the bill is due, but we have done this for like the last five years where we laugh about the cap stuff and the wizardry they do and all that. And then we laugh and we're like, how are the Saints going to figure out this one? And it's like watching like a James Bond movie. Like, you know, like every situation he gets in, you know, he's going to survive. Tied to a like chair he, like that's attached to six cinder blocks floating to the bottom of the sea. Yeah, we know. It. Yeah. First, I remember watching the first uh, GoldenEye when I was a kid and my friend goes, it was the opening plane scene with the dam and it comes up and my buddy <laughs> dead serious we're like seven years old dead serious looks at me he goes he's he's all right right i was like it's james bond we're in the first 10 minutes of course he's okay but that's the saints cap situation it's james bond like they've somehow some way they figure out a way to get out of it i don't know if they can this year but who knows i'm also curious to see what they do with their pick though because saints have shown over the last few years they've they've kind of stood pat a, a little bit but if they like a guy they're gonna go up and get him like they they figure out a way they move picks they if Sean Payton identifies a guy and Mickey Loomis or anything in their office they they like a guy they'll move up and get him do they do that with quarterback that that is just something I I'm just keeping in the back of my mind like they might just go with Jameis I, I think that really is what they're going to do it feels like Jameis is the answer right I mean yeah, it feels like that's what they end up doing it's such a I'm going to keep talking about this a, a few times when I talk about a few different teams it's just like. Yeah, the QB uh, uh, carousel is going to be really interesting, more so than even it already has been, just with these pit, how this draft's going to shake out, what everyone's going to do with it. Because I, I don't know. I just, I, I it, it, that Jameis just doesn't, I don't know. They had Taysom Hill start those games, and I get it. They're going to probably go with Jameis, but it just didn't feel right. I don't know why. Like, it just doesn't feel like, I th- feel like they're just talking out both sides of their mouth, and they probably will end up going with Jameis, but I don't know. Just something feels fishy in new orleans a little bit i i, I don't know if this could be a blow-up year or they're gonna be like a surprisingly competent team i don't know it, it's it's curious what they're gonna do but the credit card's maxed out that plays into my question what does the retool look like and yeah who's not only who's back but how good does it look when we end up seeing it in practice so i think that Jameis is probably the answer and then we'll yeah. see what else they do i think the question with the trading up for draft picks is is that just their modus operandi or is that going to change now that Breeze isn't there? Are they going to be in this all-in mode in the same way they were at the back half of his career? Or do they kind of take a step back and temper some of that aggressiveness now that they're in this new stage of the franchise? I don't yeah. know the answer to that. So but I was looking at it. So this is what... Listen to this, okay? They are, in terms of percentage of the cap in 2021, this is before any cuts. They're sixth in offensive line spending, okay. second in wide receiver spending, Fifth cool. in defensive line spending, <laughs> seventh in linebacker spending, and eighth in secondary spending with Marcus Williams not on the roster. So they, yeah, just just it's fake money, monopoly money. Let's do it. 
top eight spending at every and their eighth in running back spending. So oh, top yeah. top eight at every single position group on the field. Eventually, something's got to give. I don't know what it is, but something has to give. They're too big to fail. They're Enron. <laughs> They're just. I don't know. It, it's. It's unbelievable how much the shenanigans they just do with the cap. They just every year we're all just like, well, they did this and I guess they can. And then everyone just goes, yeah, the Saints are just going to do that. I, I, it really feels like about eight-ish years ago, seven to eight years ago when they uh, – when Jonathan Vilma moved on, they had a few other, other starters move on, like 2012, 2013-ish. And then they kind of hit up like a a few years of mediocrity where they went six and ten, seven and nine a few times, and that kind of has the same kind of feeling for the Saints. But I do think they are more talented than that team was, obviously. But they had Drew Brees, Drew Brees then. Now they don't have Drew Brees, so that's the the trade off. But it feels like I don't know. It feels like deja vu all over again uh, uh, with kind of how they're ma- navigating this cap. Just this time, they're not going to go with number nine. I'm just so curious if they grasp onto the aging parts of the core and try to hold on as long how long they'll hold on essentially yeah. like guys like Teron Armstead or Cameron Jordan yeah. very good players but are do you grasp and kind of white knuckle that idea of this team or are you willing to kind of let that go a little bit as you figure out how to do this again I don't know the right answer or the direction they're going to take but I think those are the sort of questions we have to ask about this team that we never really did two cost-cutting things to mention before we move on Ramchek and Lattimore can both be extended so mm-hmm. if you they, I think both of their cap hits are right around like 10 ish million, which is the, you know, the fourth year, de- fourth year of your first round pick deal. So do they get negotiated down as part of extensions? That would be one way they can cut salary, but there aren't that many other clear ways. It's going to be really interesting to see how they do this. All right, let's get to just a team that they're liable to do anything at this point. In my opinion, that's the Carolina Panthers. My question was how far will they go to get their quarterback? What was yours? Yeah. Yeah, I said, what is the long-term plan at QB? And yeah. it's just, it's, they keep getting rumored for everything. And when there's smoke, there's fire. Like every quarterback, the Stafford trade, the the just Deshaun Watson, Wentz, um, talk about the draft picks. Now they're getting rumored as Mac Jones being, no way Mac Jones gets past the Panthers. And it, it just seems like, okay, there's when there's smoke, there's fire. They're obviously players in the market. So they're they're trying. They're trying in this draft I, I, or this offseason. And it's just funny because when Rule got that contract of seven years, I, I was kind of like, all right, well, he's going to take his time for probably two years and then year three kind of gear up. But then you mean like so when they, they gave Teddy Bridgewater 20, like all of that money? Like <laughs> That's what I was going to say. They, yes. they get rid of Cam, they kick him out and then they sign Teddy and then they, you know, they've signed some other guys like Robbie Anderson, who's turned out to be a good signing. He is a good player. So that made sense. They got him on the cheap, but uh, that's because of other reasons. But uh, but then they draft Derek. Brown uh, t- with a top 10 pick, a nose tackle, which seems more like a cherry on top kind of pick than like a, a, a franchise builder at a premium position. He did play better than even I gave him credit for. He's like a better pass rusher now. Like he had, he had 12 QB hits last year at the nose. That was it's pretty impressive. But I don't know. They seem like a team that should have been rebuilding and yet they kind of floated it. And, and instead, and that's now they have a number eight pick, I believe. And instead of uh, having a top three pick, which I think should have been the plan for them, especially getting rid of your franchise player and cam. uh, Now they're kind of stuck in no man's land. And it just seems that way. 
I'm, I, I think they're going to get a quarterback somehow. Like, obviously, they, they, I don't know who's going to be or what it's going to be or what or how they're going to package something, but their name just keeps getting floated around. They're just too, I think they're too active in that market. It's just weird. I, it just seems like a year early or a year late kind of and, and trying to do I this. I totally agree. Like they, yeah. It seems like they just have weird timing for these things. The Bridgewater thing is, is a mistake. I mean, it's yeah. based on what you wanted to get out of last season, giving him yeah. the money they did if they weren't going to stick with him this year. Looks like a mistake. I have learned if you're going to do the bridge quarterback thing, always sign Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. And like every single time. And obviously yeah. you can't, it can't be him, but sign the Ryan Fitzpatrick. Go the yeah. Case Keenum Fitzpatrick yeah. route at $8 million over yeah. the Teddy Bridgewater at $23 million. Teddy's too if, competent and Teddy doesn't turn the ball over. So you're always going to be in every game. You're always get, like, <laughs> if you don't want the guy long term, I don't understand why you would give him $23 million in the second year of that yeah. deal. I, I just think and yeah. that's kind of where some other teams are now where how much do you really want to pay your bridge quarterback? And I just think that right now, if you look at it, their plan for what they want it to be last offseason into this season just doesn't really make a ton of sense to me. And I think that you're right. Now they're in a, the market for a quarterback. And how do they find it? And yeah. the Watson thing is obviously the pie in the sky idea. And it does feel like it'd be worth chasing him if that's your plan. If you give up Brian Burns, two first round mm. picks, and let's say McCaffrey to give the Texans some star power so they feel better about trading Watson, whatever, something like that, then if you're willing to do that and you think you need to make a move, then maybe that's something that they're interested in. I think the more realistic thing is they're sitting there at eight. They're the trade partner that makes sense with Miami at three. If they yes. really want to be aggressive and they say, we're coming out of this with a quarterback upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater, that to me feels more realistic than going out and getting Deshaun Watson. You trade a future yeah. first, a couple other little sweeteners to go get Justin Fields at three. That changes your trajectory, your expectations, what you think of yourself as a franchise, but it also is in, within the realm of possibility. Yeah, that that makes all the sense in the world, and and maybe even the next team we talk about too. But the yeah, I don't know. In my first note, I said he has an ironclad contract, and there isn't a need to win now. And then I go, unless it's being dictated by ownership, which seems odd because then you give the guy the seven year deal. And but it kind does of feel like forward. that is what's that is who's pushing this is that Tepper wants a guy, and I can understand yep. that. But then why did they do what they did last year? So correct. It, it seems a lot of uh uh month-to-month thinking as opposed to year-to-year thinking and i don't know or a long-term plan for it i know and they're actually a victim of competence they, they hired joe brady as their offense coordinator and they expect their offense to be shit and it's like no you hired a good coach so what'd you expect to happen like you hired a competent quarterback and a competent play caller and it's like and they have decent receivers it's like they they made it work i don't know they i mean they we didn't even talk about the old line trade they made last year it wasn't like they sold for parts you know they they uh trey turner to get uh to get the tackle uh, from the Chargers and it's just I don't know it's like and now he's a free agent by the way and now he's a free agent so they got a one year rental that's my other question is what do they do with the support system on offense because yeah. Moton's a free agent and Okung is a free agent and Curtis okay. Samuel's a free agent so what do you do there it seems like Moton is a is a tag candidate so they could bring him back but then what's your support system for the quarterback you're bringing yeah. in if you trade away a bunch of picks to get one yeah. How are you helping that quarterback? I think they have a lot of things that they have to answer on top of desperately needing an injection of talent on defense because yep. while their defense looked better than I expected at some points, it is not a good group. They need no. some work over there at linebacker, <laughs> defensive line, 
pretty much everything. So what they do at quarterback and how much they're willing to give up to do it, I think is the biggest question about them. Isn't that the irony too? Say they do put together the the Godfather package for Watson, and then he gets traded, and then it's just they're, the Panthers are the doldrum and have nothing for him. That usually so just goes Watson, right back. Yes, it's and that's the thing. Then that's what every uh, team has to consider. Unless you're yep. a team like Miami, yes. where you're confident you're going to be a top seven defense, you have all this cap space, whatever. Then I think that it's a different consideration. The question I have for the Falcons is, how much time does this core have left, and how do you bridge the old and the new? Which direction did you go? I said exactly the same thing. I said, what do we pick at? Uh, what do we do with pick number four? You know, th- this QB class is legit. I- I'm a very tough grader, and I've started to watch these guys. But it's like, the- any way you want to shake these guys out, Lawrence Fields, Wilson, we'll over the over the uh, Trey Lance over the next couple of weeks, we'll talk about them more. But they're all legit guys. They're legit first round quarterbacks. They're not. Hey, we're just taking them to take them. Not many times the Fal- the Falcons last year, even though they went four and twelve, they had the point differential of an eight and eight team. So they they have some stuff there. Right? I mean, that offense had stuff like, and their defense has Grady Jarrett and, and, and Terrell, the corner looked really good last year. This is the only time you're going to get that top five pick. This is the only time. That's exactly really, right. I think, I think you're going to have a chance to replace Matt Ryan, truly replace them rather than doing what the Panthers just did or, or other teams try to do. And it's not just a squint and this guy's a first rounder. Oh, because we have a first round pick. Yeah. We're going to take this guy, the quarterback in the top 10. It's like, these are serious franchise changing guys. This is your chance to do it. I I don't know. I think this is a great great time for him. They have the chance to transition, like you said. How much are you bridging the old and the new? Transition from one year to another to the new regime. Arthur Smith, the new GM. Everybody's going to get kind of their guy to start this new era for them. The other option is, hey, if they're loyal to Matt Ryan or you know they don't want to navigate that field, is you can trade back, get an influx of talent on defense. They can do that path too. But I don't know. I I think. It's going to be a hard path for them to go down, but I think it's worth it for the Falcons if they want to truly, you know, contend in the Arthur Smith era. Like otherwise, you're going to just kind of be patching holes and trying to keep yourself competent. And I think this is a team that maybe needs a new influx and a new wave. Um, and I think it's just it's just tolerable if you get this guy to learn from Matt Ryan for a year and then get rid of him after, or I should say, get rid of Matt Ryan. I'm sorry, Matt, but uh, look at ways to you know trade him away or do whatever you need to do. I think I think that makes sense. I don't know. Um, that's that's the path I would go down. That's precisely what I think. Uh, yeah. you, I, you're not going to end up in the top five again. You have too much talent, and yep. it's not like you can tear this team down. You can't no. move on from Matt Ryan or Julio Jones right now, and you have a lot of young talent on your offensive line. You know, Calvin Ridley yep. is somebody that you are, are in love with. The offense can come back intact, and I think the offense under Arthur Smith with the talent they have can mm-hmm. be very good. What's the downside to being very good when you don't have a quarterback of the future? You can't find one. Guess yep. what? If they pick one at four, that problem is alleviated. There's no reason for them not to try to go 11 and five, change the tide of the franchise, get used to winning again, figure out what they want to be offensively and let the guy you pick at four sit there and learn from Matt Ryan for a year. You yep. sit down with Matt Ryan after your 10 and six season. You say, all right, what do you want to do? Are you ready? Do you want a fresh start? It's probably time for us to do this. You know, you watched Trey in practice. You saw how good he was. What do we do here? Similar to what the Chiefs did with Alex Smith. There's nothing wrong with that. I actually think it's a really stable way to create that transition and allow it to happen smoothly and do right by all parties involved. It it just feels like that plan would make sense for them. It, it makes sense to me. I, I just think it's the way to do it. I, otherwise, I feel like you truly are robbing Peter to pay Paul. Like you, you just—it's like, yeah, we're gonna be, we're gonna be incredible. We're going for it this year. It's like, what's your goal? Do you, are you truly 
year one Super Bowl contenders and everything. And it's like, I think the Falcons do have a, a solid to pretty good roster makeup, even though they went four and 12. I really do think they have that kind of makeup that can win some games. Like, I think just best case, like I can just already see it. It's like they draft this kid, whoever they draft it for, they go nine and seven, sneak in a wild card, maybe sneak a game, but like they're trying to attack for the wild card and just have a, have a winning culture. And then you could just easily transition. I, I just think that's the path to go on. And I mean, it's not un, unheard of either. Like you just said with Alex Smith stuff. I mean, uh, uh, Carson Palmer was drafted number one overall. They had him sit behind John Kitna. You know, it's like, this isn't unprecedented that these guys used to sit. That used to be the normal thing was guys would sit for a year. Dante Culpepper did it. Guys, that used to be the normal thing. Now we just throw these guys into the fire. It's just, it's just more of traditional football thinking. And I think it's a good place to do it. And they also, it gives them a little more, like I, I, I know where I'm getting into the draft stuff already, but like Trey Lance, this kid from North Coast State, if the Falcons liked him, this is the best case scenario for a guy for exactly. it to work. Give him a year to get polished in the NFL under freaking Matt Ryan and Arthur Smith. That is best case scenario if you do want to take a home run swing on Trey Lance from North Coast State. That's that's the situation they could put themselves in. I actually think they're sitting in a fun spot. I really do. I, I think they could do a lot of fun things. It might not be easy to navigate, but I think they could really set themselves up for some some good things in the next like three, four, or five years. The question is what they're going to do with their cap. I mean, they're in such a weird yeah. position. They're $20 million over the cap now. That's after releasing Ricardo Allen and Allen Bailey. Matt Ryan is taking up 22.4% of the salary cap that's it's at $40 million. And it's that's one of those situations where in a typical, in, in a normal spot, you would just renegotiate that down. But if yeah. they want to move on from him next year, they can't do that. So they're kind of stuck with this. They are yeah. the only team in the NFL with four players making at least $20 million against the cap in 2021. So they got Julio, Matt, Jake Matthews, and Grady. Correct. Are those the four? Oh my the, the Chiefs are right there. Matthews at like 19.3. But one of those players is Patrick Mahomes, who's making about half of what Matt Ryan yeah. will this year. And you, so, you would just pay him the Supermax, whatever, whatever exactly. it is. Yeah, yeah, so sure. It's, cool. <laughs> this is a top-heavy team who pushed all the chips in, and navigating that is difficult. And that's why there's no good, clear path for them. But I think they absolutely should consider the succession plan with someone at Matt Ryan. Yeah, they're not dead in the water. That's what's fun. That no. is a good place to be in as a franchise. Like we're like we're going to talk about a team that is one, but <laughs> this is yeah. That's why I think if you pick the quarterback at four, it just frees up how you feel about the season because you're not looking over your shoulder every time you win a game because you're like, yep. what is the end game here? Like with Washington, yep. for example, that's part of it. They won the division. They got into the playoffs. They're very happy about that. They do it every time. But now you're sitting at 19 wondering who your quarterback is going to be. Yep. And if you pick a guy at four, you don't have to do that. And I just think it would be such an easy way to kind of, again, step from one era into the next. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, 
an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, let's get to the NFC North. Let's start with my Chicago Bears because that's always how I list teams in the NFC North. I think this is a pretty easy question. To me, it's what is the plan at quarterback? (laughs) Yeah, I just said, now what? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's that's where we are. And yep. so I, I, I say, what is the plan at quarterback? Because that is a different question to me than who is the quarterback going to be? Yes. Because that's where it starts, obviously. Among the Ryan Fitzpatrick, Marcus Mariota, Sam Darnold group of guys, which I think is the pool that they'll be pulling from. After you make that choice, then what do you need that quarterback to be in 2021? And how much are you willing to, like you said, rob Peter to pay Paul when it comes to surrounding that quarterback? So let's say, for hypothetical, you sign Ryan Fitzpatrick to a a deal that his cap hit is $8 million in 2020. You give him a decent signing bonus. You spread it out over a couple years, voidable, whatever. Then do you go and franchise tag Allen Robinson? Do you go try to pick a tackle in the first round to replace Bobby Massey, who you might release? How do you set up that quarterback for success? Because that has been, to me, it's the underrated question about this team. Because they have questions and concerns on their offensive line and at their pass catching positions. And with the guys who are tasked with building a scheme to prop up the quarterback. So beyond picking the guy that you need for this year and figuring out who that has to be, how do you surround that person with the right X's and O's approach and the right talent up front and at the pass catching positions. Yeah, and you you nailed it. I mean, and also you obviously you go more detail in the Bears regime than me. Uh, but like that, that's kind of how I summed it up. It's just the entire offense needs an influx of talent. And I, I mean, obviously starting a quarterback, but just everywhere. Uh, I, uh, I mean, you're hoping the franchise Allen Robinson, which they can, you know, they have the right for it. But uh, it's but 
we, we've said that about the Bears, what, 29 of the last 30 seasons? They need influx of talent on offense. I know I was there for three of them. Uh, but it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, it's just they're in no man's land. They're they're you know, they're mo- most teams are starting to learn to pivot and, and just swallow the pill and just eat it. Just either just go, hey, we're all in or we're blowing it up and then we'll figure out from there. And they're the kind of a classic team that's and we all know this. Like we've talked about, we've joked about a million times is they're right now they're they don't know what the window is and they need a lot of help to open a window even though they went eight and eight made the playoffs i just i don't know it's now what i just think it's a weird dead season for them unless they magically come up with some scheme that really unlocks trubisky but you know that was supposed to be last year where they did it and then they benched him after four weeks so i don't know i i just i think we we I'm not going to waste anyone's time talking about the Bears as much as as much as you as like you can go into way better than I can. I, I just don't think they're in a good spot. They're not. They're not in a good spot. And this is yeah. We're now living in a world and playing in a sandbox. I don't want to be in this. Yeah. Let's see if yeah. we can tinker with this version of the roster. I just yep. never would have gone down this road, but we have. So now, what are the considerations that go with this road? They have no paths. No, that's just the thing. You always want to be able, like I would say, be able to pivot, be able to pivot. That's just giving yourself different paths of su- to success. It, either be a player, a quarterback, or coaching in a regime and organization. They they have no like paths that make sense. It just it, that's that's not fun. Let me build the best case scenario very quickly before we move on. Okay, you you sign Fitzpatrick, trade for Darnold, whoever it happens to be. You get moderate quarterback play from whoever it is. I, it's not a given, but that's we're building the best case. You yeah. draft a tackle at twenty. You put him in on the right side. Daniels comes back. So you from left to right, you have Leno, Whitehair, Daniels, X right guard you have to figure out, and your first-round pick at right tackle. You franchise Allen Robinson. You have Darno Mooney. You have Cole Komet. You have Montgomery. You have your quarterback. On defense, you play around with Kyle Fuller's contract. It's a $20 million hit right now. That is not tenable when you consider some of the other limitations and if you're going to franchise Robinson. So you figure the money out on that side and you get the same sort of boost from Sean Desai that the Rams got from Brandon Staley last year, where you have a young defensive coordinator bringing some new ideas, getting the most out of a group that has talent that's consolidated in some places. And that's enough to lift you. You have a couple guys and pieces to work with and you maximize them. You become a top five defense again. Your offense can be the 18th best offense in the league. I don't know where that takes you, but that still feels like the best case scenario for this team in this version of it. Whew, that's a lot of work for eight and eight. Listen, <laughs> listen, I told you I didn't want to be playing in this sandbox, but that is the sandbox that we're in. All right. You're the sad kid with the broken down toys. You know, everyone's uh, got the, the worst. new stuff and you're just, you're, <laughs> there you are. The just yeah, I have my, 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 uh, my sister's like hand me down corduroys on that have like patches <laughs> on them and stuff. All right, let's go. Uh, Green Bay Packers. Right. They're in a slightly different okay. position. Yeah. My question yeah. is. Are they willing to push all their chips into the middle of the table? Yeah. That, that's kind of how I'm framing it. I'm saying how much future they sacrifice for 2021. It's, yep. yeah, it's kind of similar question to the box, maybe a little, little different flavoring, but. Oh, it's definitely different flavoring because they're over. I mean, they don't. Are they? What are they over? So they're $11 million over the cap right okay. now. And that's with the David Bakhtiari conversion of yep. his roster bonus into a signing bonus. And see, the Bakhtiari thing is interesting to me because. We have seen for the last two years a version of this franchise that we had never seen before. So it starts with the spending spree on the Smiths and Adrian Amos. Mm -hmm. And now it extends beyond last season into this one 
where they're converting bonuses into into they're converting stuff into signing bonuses. They're paying a top of the market deal for David Bakhtiari. They never do that stuff. So nope. now, if we've entered this brave new world, how far are we willing to tread into the brave new world? Do we see a Devontae Adams extension where he gets a million dollar base salary in 2021? Do they play with Rodgers' deal and extend him in order to create some relief on top of stuff like releasing Preston Smith, releasing Dean Lowry and ways to create space? Are they just getting by or are they going to convert some of this stuff push money into future years and bring back Corey Lindsley and go add a defensive piece because they can do it if they want to. Any team with cash can do it if they want to. The question is how far out of character are they willing to go? Yeah. And in the NBA, you hear all the time. It's like, Oh, we want to, we want to have uh, auxiliary pieces that are on our stars timeline, you know, our stars timetable or so, you know, like everybody has to be in the same kind of age group that we're aiming for. And, you know, the other Rodgers is in his upper thirties. He's, I mean, MVP, reigning MVP, Aaron Rodgers. I might add, and but the rest of those stud players, like you were just mentioning, are in their primes right now. Like yeah. they are in the smack dab middle of their prime, and they have a couple of fun young guys like Tanyan and, and and Alexander and all that. And so it's kind of this weird situation. It's really just the one guy is kind of outside the prime of the the window of everybody else, but then he has all he just the won the MVP though. Yeah. <laughs> He has all the sway. He's MVP guy, MVP uh, uh, winner two time now. And then also just their offense was, uh, I mean, unbelievable last year. So that's what's so funny is just like, it's just, it's weird. Usually like if he was 31, it's like, oh yeah, all the, all the F in let's do it. But um, yeah, I, I'm just, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I, I think they just go all in again and just, Hey, let's figure this out next year. I they got a good team. I really do. I do think they got a good team. I think the defense is going to be improved markedly just because they won't have you know the same uh, flaws that can happen in big games that that's happened before. I don't know. Uh, I think they should go all in for this year because I just think it makes sense for how their roster is and and just where these guys are at in their careers. We'll see where they think they need to add talent. You know, J.J. Watt has been mentioned there. Do they mm-hmm. do they bring him in as another piece if they end up releasing Preston Smith? But Rashawn Gary came on last year. He was pretty good. Feels like their yep. front has enough talent. They probably need another corner now. Corner would be a position where if they're going to spend, that's where they can do it. And what do they do schematically on defense? This is a question for August. But do they play a little bit more man and use Jair Alexander as a queen on the chessboard in a way they didn't in the past that limited his effectiveness? Stuff like that. But I think on offense, I'll be curious if they think they need another receiver and what type of guy they need. Like I've always said this to me, like Curtis Samuel just makes too much sense for them. Like just that jet Cause you, guy. Cause you're just somebody. like Randall Cobb. You're thinking Randall Cobb and you're like, I want that again. <laughs> and, that's, and he's just like a juiced up version of it that does he the is. jet that's stuff. They think it's, yep. and also, and I don't think that they'll be able to afford this. And I don't know if it's exactly what they need, but I thought about it for the first time today. Corey Davis opposite Devonte Adams in that offense is like, and just, and just going twin, like just posting up everybody. It's <laughs> This monster. He would he would be a great Z. Man, actually now that I'm thinking about it. It's the yeah, first time he I thought about eat, it today. He doesn't have to eat ten targets a game. He can just nope. get his four or five. He's a hell of a blocker. I mean he's physical. So oh yeah, that that's a great fit. That's I, I hadn't really thought about it before, but I the the Samuel thing is flashy and that's why I like it. 
It's the yeah. same way when they were chasing Will Fuller last year at the deadline, stuff like yeah. that. But in, in more practical terms, it's like, oh, the Corey Davis thing I actually like a lot. Like comes from a similar system, would be able to kind of hit the ground running. Somebody's going to get Corey Davis for cheaper than he should go, I think. And I mean, he's not, I don't think he's ever going to be that true number one guy. I mean, it, we kind of know that by now. But I mean, he could be a really good number two for a lot of teams. And there's a lot of star, t- star power in the, the free agent class for receivers and this draft. I think someone's going to find himself a nice, nice little player there. I just don't know if he's twitchy enough or what they were yeah. missing in the playoffs. That's my concern. Is he too similar? I think he is a little bit more change of direction than guys like Lazard and MVS do. Yeah. But I just oh, no, don't he know if, if he's as twitchy as like as good in space as the guy they were like creating need. afterwards. Exa- exactly. Like yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Let's move on because I could talk about that all day, but let's move on <laughs> to a team that I think you and I think about this team a lot for a lot of different reasons. The Minnesota Vikings. My question is, and this is something we've chatted about over the last year. My question for them is, how will this year be different? That to me is the most important question. What's yours? It, it, that, no, that's a great question. Mine was just, where are they going to do up front with their defense? I, I mm-hmm. think uh, Daniil Hunter coming back, obviously going to be huge. They tried to get another one last year with Yannick and you know that didn't work out. And I, we got to give more props to it. I, I know it's kind of obvious, but for them to recoup some of the losses they did in that trade with the Ra- and then going back to the Ravens and flopping that and getting a couple picks back, like that was that's well done. Uh, they took a rental and it was the shortest rental ever, and they flopped that and got some more picks back. Okay, um, but right now the up front, up front, they you know other than Daniel, they have all these middle and late round picks, and I'm sure it's great for depth, but it just it seems like they're just. They need a premium influx of talent there. And given their cap situation, it'll probably be through the draft. It's not the deepest pass rushing draft, uh, but they might get a, you know, a twofer with trading back and accumulating some second and top 100 picks, you know, which we know Spielman loves to do. He has zero qualms of doing that. I, I, I just think that is something they really need to do. And that kind of ties into what your question is, is how much of this is going to be similar to last year? I just don't know where the jolt comes from. They yeah. need a jolt. And I can absolutely understand in their building how you're sitting there and you're looking at what happened last year and you're saying, all right, we finished eighth in offensive DVOA, okay? We're very efficient. Mm-hmm. Now we have Justin Jefferson as a starter from day one. We have Ezra Cleveland as a starter from day one. Our offensive line is going to be a better group from the jump. We have two receivers that we love. We'll see if we can try to add a little bit of juice at tight end with Kyle Rudolph likely moving on. You could live with similar offensive production from that team that you got last year. Mm -hmm. And there's really no reason outside of Clint Kubiak stepping into the play caller role and whether he can get as much as his dad is. But in terms of personnel with the players, there's no reason to think the offense can't be as good as it was last season. Okay. Yeah. On defense, it was a disaster, especially down the stretch. (laughs) I mean, we all watched the Viking Saints game, but you're getting Anthony Barr back most likely. Kendricks was out for the last four games. Daniil Hunter didn't play a snap last season. Michael Pierce opted out last year. You're getting him back in the middle of that defense. Can you, with some production and some growth from your young corners and the guys you're getting back in the in the front seven, can you be the 12th best defense in the league next season? You could absolutely talk yourself into that. But that's the problem with this team is it feels yeah. like we have the same conversation every single year and they're no better positioned to actually make the leap. 
you know how many times I've heard, oh, Vikings are you know pretty short up on offense, but they need help on defense. You know, that's my childhood. That is that is my childhood right there. That is 1996 to 2004 when I was a Viking fan. <laughs> that, that is what what I heard every single season. And uh, 2005, I should say actually, but yeah, sorry, Dad. But it's <laughs> um, but you know for there, it, it's just that's what they need. It's and also they they just always just seem like and Zimmer does not seem like a guy that rebuild is in his lexicon. So it's like, and they have Kirk cousins. Like, yeah, I know what's going to be different than last year. Exactly. That's the best question you could put it. Like, it's just offense is going to be fine. They are, they're, they're going to generate plenty of points. They uh, like, Clint Kubiak's not going to change much. Like he, he's worked for his dad. And the only time he hasn't was when he worked for Kansas for one year, uh, an 012 Kansas team. He's going to run a Kubiak offense. His last name is Kubiak. So <laughs> at least, at least the baseline's going to be there. <laughs> so I think at least there are I know some elements that he'll want to throw in there that his dad didn't, you know, he was, he was there when Stefanski was there. Yep. He has yep. some, uh, Texas A&M to him. So there's going to be some passing game albums i'm sure that's gonna be a little different but we know what the gist of it's gonna be but yeah uh, uh we know zimmer's gonna be good on third down like he's always gonna be good on that but it's first and second down defense that is what this team needs to improve on and i, I honestly just think the simplest answer is an influx of talent however they do it they just have to figure that out they i think more than any of the other teams on the list on this list when i was looking at what they needed and how they were going to get it they need a big draft like they're yes. the team that if they they could find a tight end in the second round and they could get another safety if Anthony Harris moves on, like every team could use that, but they just don't have the financial resources to really go out and get guys. They also don't have needs at some of the spots where there's a glut of talent in free agency. Yep. I just think, but they had a great draft last year. <laughs> like they found Cam Dantzler and Justin Jefferson. It's just, I don't know, man. It's I, This would be a frustrating <laughs> team to be a fan of. That's all I have to say. And, and <laughs> It I say was, that, let me tell you. It was. I say that as someone you. who likes them. I like yeah. a lot of the things they do. I know. Also, I'm going to talk I, myself into them again. On the Cousins front, <laughs> My understanding and read on that situation based on the conversations I've had, uh, they would be blindsided if you were traded. Cousins and, and oh. his people would they fully expect to be there and every everything else that you hear about that yeah. is probably a lot of sound and fury without that much to it, is my okay. understanding. That makes so sense too. We'll see. I, I, but all right. Yeah. Let's move on. Detroit Lions. Uh this is this could go a lot of different directions. Yeah. The way that I frame this is what is the goal in twenty twenty one? How many games do you want to win? What type of team do you want to be? Because in my mind, they had a chance to tear it down. You trade Stafford, you cut everybody, you start over. Bringing Goff back in that deal, it feels like their ambitions, even in the short term, might be a little different than what I would have ascribed to them a month ago. How do you feel about it? Yeah, they they did what the Panthers did last year, kind of. Um, so true, but it's it really is. Uh, I mean, and they it, yeah. didn't go uh, with Case Keenum, and that's how you uh, screw up. <laughs> they, but I, 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 you know, like when they like uh, some drill sergeant in a movie is just like, you know, I, I want you to, you know, unfuck yourself. You know, I think for the Lions, they have to unpa- unpatriot way themselves. Like that's yeah. <laughs> they have they really do. They I think that's the one fun thing they get to do is they can they got a long term contract. They have time to do this. It seems like they have resources. They can kind of build whatever their identity they want to from the ashes. I have no idea how that's going to work out. Yeah, but you know, I, I, Goff's going to at least be competent. So they have no receivers other than my man Quintez Cephas. So, but it's you know that's something they need to add and. I don't know. The guy that's going to be deciding this, uh, it's 
I, it's weird. It's like, I feel, I really want to say like, they're going to handle this right. I feel like they're trying to take a chance, uh, to, to handle this right, at least for once with the lions. But it's just like, man, as soon as you get golf, I could see themselves talking themselves into like, Hey, if we sneak into the playoffs, like we can get there and we get that bonus, you know, I could see themselves doing that. And, and by the way, I was just dying this last week. I watched a show on YouTube. It's called the OSW review. They watch old wrestling pay-per-views and they just kind of review them and you are history a profoundly tidbits. weird person. I know. And it's so much fun. It's three Irish guys. They're amazing. Hey, these have like 500,000 views. of them, So I'm not the only one. But but on it, they re- reviewed WrestleMania 11 recently. And do you know what the main event of that one was? You're going to say no. But Fuck no. <laughs> it was Lawrence Taylor wrestled a guy named Bam Bam Jesus. Bigelow. Very 90s. Of course, I remember Bam a, Bam Bigelow. Yeah, of course. This, yeah, yeah. He had the, bur- yeah, the tattoos on his head. But LT was in the main event of WrestleMania. And in it. So I, I I knew kind of of this, but it was the first time I ever really watched it. And in it, they have a fireman match. So I had, they have all these NFL stars to help out LT, you know, and the stuff. And so they have Reggie White come out. Then they have Steve McMichael, who I know you know. Oh, yeah, who's Mongo. Mongo. Mongo, he comes out. Kenny Norton, defense coordinator of the Seahawks, is out there. And also, you know who I see running out there? Chris Spielman, baby. <laughs> You know, decision maker for the Detroit Lions, fireman, you know, you know, he, he was part of that, you know, that he's part of that match, you know, WrestleMania 11, I was just dying. Also, I just see, they just had the title card, Chris Spielman. They're like, oh yeah, they had NFL stars, like Ken Norton come out. It's three Irish guys. They know nothing about the NFL. And then they go, Chris Spielman, who's some guy. And I was just like, yeah, I know who Chris Spielman is. <laughs> Chris Spielman, but being yeah. the head coach and general manager of the Detroit Lions. <laughs> I think that what they've done, you saying the unpatriot way themselves, I think is totally right. Yeah. I love this coaching staff they've brought in. And if you read yeah. some of the stuff that's come out of there, like Dan Campbell is a different conversation. The guys under Dan Campbell, whether it's Aaron Glenn or Deuce yep. Staley or some of the guys, yep. that, when you're reading like Chris Burke, the athletics Chris Burke who covers that team, talk about what it even feels like to be talking to the guys there and just the overall tone and everything else. It feels much different. That I fully support. But how far are you going to try to take that in 2021, right? So, like, let's look on defense. You have guys that make sense to cut. Justin Coleman, Desmond Trufant. Mm -hmm. I think on offense, you lose guys like maybe Jesse James, Chase Daniel. You kind of cut salary. And I thought that might be what they did overall. But then you bring Goff in, and that gives me some pause about that plan. So, do they franchise Kenny Galladay? Because it's like, oh, we have have our quarterback. Let's surround him with some weapons. And do they go halfway? And that's my big question. I don't know the answer to that. But how much are they committed to 2021 and how much are they committed to the future? And do they have one foot in each? I just, those are the things I'm curious about. And we won't know until we see the way they spend their resources here over the next couple months. All right. Let's get to the NFC West. Let's start with the Rams. My question here, how do they supplement the rest of their roster? I mean, when you have those the big pieces that they have, the guys they really went out and got, they went out and paid. They're currently $33 million over the cap. We know who the big pieces are. Stafford, Donald, Ramsey, both their offensive tackles, Cup, Woods. It's about it. And you have guys like Darius Williams, Troy Hill, John Johnson, Austin Blythe, all hitting free agency without a lot of resources financially at the moment. So let's say at the moment. How do you supplement the rest of your roster and build around those pillars that they have in place? Yeah. And my question is kind of somewhere. It was just, can they generate, and this is really more for next year, but it's how are they going to generate the the explosive plays that they were missing on offense last year? So very similar to kind of what, you, what you're saying in, in a sense is how are they going to supplement everybody with all just middle picks and 
and ways to, you know, other ways to figure this out. They have to get creative. It helps when you nail a couple middle round picks like they have the last couple of years. They just have to keep doing that. But this is one of the few teams. I mean, of course, I think they do need some help on the O-line. Like I, I, I every team always should be looking at O-line help. But they're one of the few teams I'll ever say this is that they could truly use a burner only type receiver. They need the guys speed. that I the guys that I harp on that to to devalue and just wait and wait and wait on. They're the one team I think should be looking to try and get it uh, in a, in a middle round or you know a cheapie and free agency something. But it, it's that is something they need. They need and they have a guy now that's willing to throw the ball maybe past forty five yards and actually willing to take the top off and throw the alert post on all these over post concepts. I think that's what you know. That is one thing that I'm really interested to see if they they do to go down that path because I feel like you've brought this point up before. It's it feels like a lot of those receivers are very samey, kind of cut from the same cloth, and I think this is where they need it to build a little bit of a different lineup, especially with Stafford, especially how aggressive he can be uh, as a quarterback. The nice part about that is though, if that's the element you're looking for, it's okay to be looking for that as a team that doesn't have a lot of resources because Correct. you can go get John Ross on a one-year, $3 million deal. You can sign yep. Marvin Hall to uh, the minimum if you need to. Those guys are available, but I totally agree. They just are missing that ingredient in their offense and have since Brandon Cooks left. So how do you kind of sprinkle that in? But that's the nice part is the seasoning doesn't cost much. You can absolutely go find that with what they have. So that to me, that's just one of those things. How do they supplement what they have with specific skill sets like speed? And that'll be the question. And I think how they end up doing this financially is something else to keep an eye on. Ramsey and Donald both have base salaries in the 18 to $20 million range. They would feel comfortable borrowing from those, I would assume. So let's say you can create $20 million in space by converting all of that to bonus money. Stan Kroenke's not hurting for cash. Like If they need to free some of this money up, they've shown they're willing to do that. So I think how they get some of this wiggle room and what they do with that wiggle room around these pillars they've established is the big question. Another kind of smaller one, just to mention before we move on, Jordan Rodriguez was talking about this on Twitter earlier today. What happens to them schematically on defense? Again, this is an August question, but how much do things change under Raheem Morris? How much do things change because they lose some of those corners and safeties that they had last year? So just something to keep an eye on. Not the biggest question, but just something that I have in the back of my mind. This is one of the few teams I had like two main questions on, and uh, we touched on the first point. But my second question was, how did the coaching of staff changes affect the roster yep. or affect the team? Obviously, Staley, but also, you know, you know, Cromer's gone, the offensive line coach, the run game coordinator. He's gone, and they changed that with Carberry. I still think it's McVeigh going to have a, a, a big fingerprint on all all aspects of the offense. But, you know, that is something else that uh, I'm very curious to see if there are any tweaks or changes. Speaking of offensive staffs, let's get to the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, My yeah. question for them, how do they maximize Russell Wilson and this offense? And I think that starts with bringing in Shane Waldron, who used to be with the Rams, and putting in that type of offensive system. Play action heavy, get Russ on the move. It was funny, you were mentioning this at the end of last season, talking about how you think he needs to be in a play action heavy system that gets him moving side to side, doesn't put him in the pocket, allows him to see things a little bit. And it seems like that's exactly the direction they went in with some of their hires on that side. Yeah. It, but the question with Russell was never really what, like how much we let Russ cook or let Russ cook. It was really, I think more now it's what recipe 
are we going to give Russ to yep. cook? Like, what recipe is he going to make? You know, it's great. Like you said about the PA stuff, play action stuff. When I, when Russell transferred to Wisconsin, and he came in July, like a month before training camp when he transferred there. And I could see Coach Chris kind of his wheels turning and, and Paul Chris, and I could see him kind of starting to change some of the stuff we ran in spring ball to make it more Russified. And it was nothing crazy changed. If you watch that offense, it wasn't that much different than most Wisconsin teams you see. Just you know, a little more explosive with Russell back there. But really what he emphasized, and I, I just kind of had my memories jogged the last couple of months as more discussions happened with Russell and the Seahawks offense. But we did pull up naked plays all the time. A lot of them to Jared Aberderis, if you remember him. Uh, but take advantage of Russell's ability to move, his ability to throw in a run, especially deep. We were in the gun a lot more, which is obvious, Russell shorter. Uh, but a lot of our drop back game, it was half field reads and uh, not only just like single high two high, which is how generally half field reads are, but a lot of mirrored concepts and a mirrored concept is exactly what it sounds. If you put a mirror in the middle of the field, both concepts on both sides are exactly the mm-hmm. same. If you run out of a two by two for formation, Russell prefers those. And how I know that is because coach Chris hates those, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but we ran them because Russell liked them and we got good at them. And we ran there certain ones that we'd run. There's one called 39, which was out and goes like, you know, he ran this stuff that were mirrored concepts because that's what Russ prefers. Russ really prefers going one to run to do do Russ things. He that and what a mirrored concept does, he doesn't have to do any cross field reads. He doesn't have to progress one to two to three. He just picks a side, goes with it, and then he does Russ stuff. That's what I think I'm hoping this offense emphasizes. And I think, you know, Waldron might. Guess what his background's in? Naked, PAs, simpler dropback stuff with half field reads. <laughs> okay. So all right, we're 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 navigating towards the right proper stuff here. How many times do you see golf going to empty formation? And that empty usually becomes a because you have to get the ball out quick, becomes a pick aside read. Based on the coverage, you're really exposing the defense because they have to be spread out. And Russ is good in those situations. Guess what? That's what the Rams did a little bit with golf to make it easy on him. Now they have a guy that actually could take advantage of his legs with Russ. But it's just something I, I, I do think this was a, I don't want to use the word inspired hired, but it makes sense to me the more you think about it. I, I'm 100% on the same page with you. I, I think that it, I can even just see it in my mind. Like it's just so easy to picture him in those concepts and how much it fits him. And you get him on the move, he can take off if he wants to. I, I think it fits them really well. Beyond him, I'm curious how the entire offensive picture comes together and how they try to do it. They have needs at guard. Do, do they spend a mid-round pick on an offensive lineman? What do they do at running back? You know, Can you go get a guy that can be a little bit more of a pass-catching option in the fourth round or something like that if Carson leaves in free agency? So how do they build it? And are you confident in the scheme's ability to hide the offensive line a little bit more than it is now? Because if you play that type of offense, you can get by with lesser mm-hmm. offensive line because you're not just dropping straight back all the time. I want to say they used play action on like 26% of their dropbacks last week, last year, which is decently high, but it's not 40% high like the Rams were. So if you trend more in that direction, I just think it makes sense for what they want to do with Wilson. Some of the other stuff with the with this team, Shaq Griffin, KJ Wright, Puna Ford, all hitting free agency. We'll see what they end up doing on defense. They have resources to kind of figure that out. But in my opinion, it's getting the offense right and figuring out the exact right way to deploy Russell. And it feels like they're heading down that path. All right, let's get to the Niners. What is yours? Because I didn't know how to articulate mine. All right. Uh, how I literally wrote it is, is Jimmy G the answer and how are you going to navigate the contracts? That's kind of, that's kind of how I went about it. Um, are you going to be happy? Are the, you being the 49ers, are they going to be happy with a guy 
who looks like he's capped as an above average at best QB who can't really create. And we're seeing creation is is really a key thing. I know Kyle Shanahan is one of, if not the best, at scheming guys open in the passing game. Um, but I think you can look at all angles for this answer. Um, they've been rumored as a Stafford destination. I don't know how much smoke of that was real. They've been rumored as a Darnold destination. That might just be fan and media created, but you never know. Their salary cap has to be navigated a bit. They have pick number 12. They don't have their third rounder. They just have to be creative a bit. And they don't have a QB, a QB Avenue. What does standing Pat look looking like with Jimmy G? If they stand Pat, I think they already know what it looks like. So I, I'm curious if they're comfortable with that or if they're just going to go, no, we we got to upgrade this. We're trading Jimmy G, Jimmy G, number 12. We're figuring this out. We'll figure out the cap situation. But, you know, it's it's they're in a kind of a weird spot. They had a rough season last year because of injuries and everything, but they're they're a competent team. They're they're pretty good, pretty good roster. They just have they have to navigate Trent Williams, that contract, Jason Verrett, his contract. Richard Sherman's probably not coming back. There's rumors. I even saw this juice checks deal might be might be up in the air this year. You know, as far as how they want to navigate that and restructure it, they might do something with D Ford. They can kind of do. They can kind of go a, a, a few different paths, and it's really curious how they're going to do it. But I think the obvious, the easy and obvious answer uh, as to what I think their priority should be is: is Jimmy G enough? Is Jimmy G enough for what we're about to have? Because our t- our rest of our team might not be as good as it was the last two years, and we might need more quarterback play than we ever did. So that's about where I am. I, it, I have in my notes, it says we're creeping closer and closer to a world where Jimmy G is back. And yeah. if he is, then what? And it almost feels like this is now phase three of the Shanahan era in San Francisco. Phase one was the feeling out. We don't know what we are. We're a pretty bad team. They trade for Garoppolo. They become a Super Bowl contender in the one year where he's healthy. Now, what comes after that? We have maxed out that version of the window because you have guys like Sherman hitting free agency, Juice checks a free agent. You know, Verrett wasn't there for the Super Bowl run, but they need another yeah. corner if he leaves. Just yeah. uh, Tart is a free agent, Trent Williams. So they have some space to work with now. And, and it's a, I think it's about now figuring out what they want to be in this phase three of the franchise. And if that includes Garoppolo, then what else does it have to include? I think that it's kind of a mystery. Like, I don't really know what this team is right now that's different than what we've seen over the last couple of years, but a slightly diminished version of it. And they're they're actually, because you can kind of tell how many rumors get pushed out, as as you, as you know, as you're in media. Um, I guess I am too now. So are but, you now, buddy. Exactly. Yeah, I know. I know. But you kind of get a feel for rumors coming out and more rumors come from more teams. Cause those guys like to talk the powers that be like to talk. The Fortnite's do a really good job of not really putting out much shit. Like you, you, you can get some tells like you can, but it's like, it's, it's kind of hard to see what they're thinking. I think that's a better way before, yep. before the golf trade happened. We were out here on this podcast going, Sean McVay is a very smart man. There's a reason he said Rams quarterback right now is Jared Goff. And it's like, okay, McVeigh gives out those hints. Other coaches give out hints. Personnel guys can't wait to talk to the media. You know, just how it is. They do a good job of just not letting, like, you kind of don't really know how to read the tea leaves with them. So that's why I think more than anyone, I'm just like, I want to see what they do. I, 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 they could do a lot of things and I think they're going to be competitive no matter what they do because they just shown that far. But losing Robert Salas is going to be huge too. We've talked about it here on the podcast how his, not so much his Super Bowl run, but the last year's performance was like holy crap this guy's a good coach and i i 
I, I'm, I'm a big time believer in NFL, not for long. One guy's flashing a pan because just bought him out a year later. He he proved it and doubled down. That's going to be a big loss too. I don't know. It's it's very. I'm very very curious. I just think it's such an unknown about which direction they go. Who's back? You know, D Ford's injury guarantees kind of make yeah. that a somewhat murky situation. They can free up some space if they release him, but he's going to be able to pass a physical. All of that stuff it just hangs over them. I just I, I think the biggest question is where do they go? Which direction do they go? And that's not that interesting because it's so open ended. But that's kind of what I'm thinking about them is what does Phase Three look like? All right, yeah. let's get to the Cardinals, a team that. Had a rough second half of the season. Let's just say that. I think we're left with a yeah. lot of questions about this team. So you mentioned yesterday to me what your question about them is. Just throw it out there. I said, can Cliff finally adjust all the way to the NFL, or is he just going to keep doing the same stuff? And I know that's more formationally. And like we said, when we're talking concept stuff, it's like, oh, that's more of an August question. But I mean, it matters for them because... Overall, their whole roster, easy answer is they need an influx of talent everywhere. Offense, defense, everywhere. It's not a great roster. Um, 44.5% of their snaps from last season are hitting free agency this year. It's the highest rate, highest number in the league, according to our buddy Jason Fitzgerald from over the camp. Holy crap. Did not know that. Okay. And that, I mean, that speaks to with this. One good thing that the Cardinals have, Kyler is, is not a question mark. He is an answer. How high of an, you know, is he an elite elite guy? Of course, that's always the question is we're going to have a quarterbacks, but he can make his teammates better and he can win you a game on just by him. And that's what you want as a quarterback. Okay, we're good. He's a number one pick. He's good. We're fine. DeAndre Hopkins and him, like we loved at the beginning. It was just, you know, they isolated him, but then they never changed anything. Their protections now have been now. They got a little better this past year, but for the last two years, they can really get gamed up against a really creative defense or a defense that's just kind of knows protection schemes because they sometimes the Cardinals uh, uh, with their protections will go for the simplest answer because they're a no huddle or they just want to uh, they have some cool shot play that designed that week too many times. Cliff is a guy that kind of throws shit against the wall, sees what sticks. Some of it's really good. And sometimes you have weeks where they just, they look awful. They can't even move the ball. Um, But, you know, they like to go no huddle more than anyone, which is a limitation in the sense that you can't really communicate sometimes. Sometimes when things aren't going your way and going no huddle, take that huddle to a moment where everyone can take a breath and the offensive lineman can bitch at each other. Like, Hey, wait, hey, you, you had that twist. You know, you were supposed to pick it up. I went wrong there. Or the receiver like goes to the day and say, Hey, this guy's biting on something. Like there's a little communications that happen in between plays. When you go in no huddle, sometimes you can limit yourself and sometimes you can't adjust as quickly because you're just going play, 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 play. Also, you can't communication as far as the plays from the coaches, from the sideline to the players. They only can, there's only so much verbiage you can get out. So I'm just curious. It's okay to be a little more traditional cliff. I I am curious if he's okay with that. If he just goes, okay, I've learned my lesson. I can't go full, full big 12. I can have a little bit chunk of it, but let's wean it in and make more of a hybrid uh, um, that I thought we all expected to see. Um, And there are some aspects of that, but I just think they just still need more polish. When, when teams make moves in the off season, I do this after the draft every year, but I think free agency as well. I don't give grades out initially. Like when teams make moves, some of them you can shit on, right? Like when the Panthers signed Matt Khalil, it was easy to be like, that's not a good idea. But a lot of these moves, I think you have to wait and see. I think moves, in my opinion, give you a window into how teams view themselves. That's, that's why I always, that's what I like to glean from them. This team, as much as any other, I'm so curious what moves they're going to make because I don't know how they view themselves. I have no idea if they think we need more pass catching talent. 
if they think we need talent on defense. Like, do they think Christian Kirk and DeAndre Hopkins is enough? Is enough? And they just yeah. need some schematic tweaks? Do they... They're losing Hassan Reddick, Drake Kirkpatrick, Marcus Gold, yeah. and a lot of defensive talent. Do they spend big on defense? Like, I don't know. Because that's yeah. the weirdest part about this team is they almost made the playoffs last year, right? And if you were if I had told you last August the Cardinals went nine and seven or ten and six and almost made the playoffs, you would have said, Oh, you know, wow. Some progress from Kyler Murray, Cliff figured mm-hmm. it out. No. They finished twenty third in weighted offensive DVOA. They finished seventh on defense. So it's, it's this weird funhouse mirror version of this franchise that I I just don't really understand. And I am so curious what sort of messaging they're going to put out about how they view themselves, because I don't know exactly how to view them at this point. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was very telling last year in the draft. They went with Isaiah Simmons, who I I think will end up being a fine player, but that he was going to be a project. Even though he was, you know, three-year starter at Clemson, he's a move-around guy, but he, you didn't know what position to put him in. But if you want to put him in the box, that's going to be a project. And it just felt like the Cardinals were more like, hey, we have holes everywhere. Let's take the best player available, especially offensive line. Guess what? It was a really good offensive line draft. I mean, it was pretty obvious that they should have taken an offensive lineman. I'll just keep saying that <laughs> from last year's draft. <laughs> but the fact that they took a, not only just a defensive player, which is fine. They needed defensive help, but then took a project. And it was kind of like, Mm, that's just like that's a, a pick that a team that kind of has it all together takes not a team that just needs talent now yeah Isaiah Simmons could end up being a great player but it's like this is a weird window to take a tight I don't know it just didn't make sense but that's the Cardinals and like you said you get a glimpse into how they view themselves I always thought the, the Panthers taking Derek Brown in the top 10 last year a nose tackle I was kind of like that's curious you know it just it was like okay that's not really where he I played would well like, and it's still curious to me Correct. It doesn't. Yes. It wouldn't have mattered how well he played. It's still curious to me. Yeah, and uh, but it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, that's not what I would have done. So, are you? Do you guys think you're contending next year? Like, is that what you guys are doing? And yeah, that's like you said, it's a great window into their insight. I great think spirit. the the Thank only you. thing you can almost guarantee they need a corner. I mean, they're losing yeah. Patrick Peterson. Yeah, they're losing Drake Kirkpatrick. They need a corner, no matter what else they do. Outside of that it feels like it's kind of a blank slate and they could go a bunch of different directions and that direction will be informative. All right, let's get to the NFC East. Let's start with Washington, team that won the division. I've spent a lot of time talking and thinking about this team in the last couple of days. I was on Ben Standig's podcast yesterday uh, who covers the Washington football team for us at The Athletic. Uh, My question about them, how do they view their timeline? Because I think that answer will inform their decision-making at quarterback and elsewhere. Yeah, because they're like pretty much made men on defense. And then that's the thing is you got a defensive head coach too. <laughs> so he might just go, Hey, we're ready to contend. Like, you know, they, they you know, they got Haneke back. I, I, my question, my literal question for this was, How can we make our offensive personnel not look like a week four preseason game? <laughs> that's because that's what it looked. I mean, I thought, I, I, I thought Scott Turner did fine. Like he did the best he could. Like, I mean, I don't care who your play caller was or play designer was. They had no, talent on that side of the ball not just quarterback but just all around him um Antonio Gibson's gonna be a fine player and Scary Terry is gonna be I think a, a very good two maybe a low end one when it's all said and done but they're a team that I can actually look in free agency for to to um you know to be to be signing one of these receivers they're actually a team I could see doing that like an upper middle class one you know another Corey Davis signing kind of guy yeah I I think it's I think they'd rather go to free agency for like a receiver to get an influx of talent, but they have so many other needs. They have to get Scherf back. And if you're going to go, 
I wouldn't waste their draft pick on a receiver. Um, so I'm saying all that receiver, receiver, receiver. I wouldn't waste their draft pick on there. I think they just go BPA and just keep adding offensive BPA. So hopefully it's a lineman. But other than that, you know, it might be a receiver because it's a stacked receiver draft. <laughs> it's it's one of those teams. It's like you're like you just said. It's curious what what how they view themselves because they need a lot on offense. I think before they're anywhere near a contender. I think their defense kept them in a lot of games, but it just hid how bad that offensive was. And it was just from a personnel standpoint as opposed to a, a, a scheme or a scheme standpoint. So the reason I mentioned the timeline is because they were in on Stafford, right? So yeah. you could, and I, th- I think they were. So if you looked at that and you say, all right, they're in on Stafford, what does that mean about how they view themselves? Do they think we need to make a play at quarterback? And I don't think the answer to that is yes. I think they saw Stafford as an isolated incident where he was a very talented player who had become available, as they should have. I, mm-hmm. I think a lot of teams should have been sniffing Dude around diligence. on Stafford. So yeah. now... Now that they didn't get him, how do things change? And when you're looking at the possible pool, do you feel like we need to go make a move or do you kind of let it unfold as it's going to happen? I think if you told Scott Turner tomorrow, your week one quarterback is Taylor Heineke, he would say, okay. Yeah. And I think that's what they should say. I don't think they should be pushed off their spot when it comes to quarterback because they shouldn't think they're a quarterback away because they're not. They shouldn't read into, oh, we're close because we made the playoffs last year. I think that sort of thinking can be dangerous. Mm-hmm. So if they're, if that's their timeline, if it's not we need the answers now, then what happens? And if I'm looking at their offseason, their needs, their resources, this to me makes the most sense. I'll be curious what you say about this. Let quarterback happen. If, if Fitzpatrick is there for the right price and you want a veteran and you want a stabilizing presence there, go do that. I don't think they'll meet on Mariota. I think the Darnold price would have to be pretty low for them to pay it. I don't think they're, again, they're not going to be desperate for the quarterback. You Let the quarterback market unfold how it's going to. I think at that 20, if there's a tackle you like there, pick the tackle. You need a left tackle. That is your number one spot on the offensive line. I think Scherf will be back. Whether it's on the tag or something else, I believe he will be a member of the Washington football team in 2021. I did too. Then, with your other resources, how do you address receiver? This is the time to have money and need a receiver because yes. of how many guys are available. I, If you miss out on the Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay tier, are you happy coming away with a Corey Davis and one speed guy or one other thing? The answer should probably be Yes. And mm-hmm. if that's what they end up doing, if they pick a tackle, they pay pass catchers, and you come into next year with that offensive line that's already pretty good, Gibson, McLaurin, another 1A or 1B, and a tackle that you find in the draft, and then you let Heineke play quarterback or you have whoever there, that's tolerable. Yes. And it's not out of the question, and it doesn't put them in a bad spot. Now, you go into this, this season with that group, your defense is likely going to be, if not a top three unit like it was last year, maybe a top eight unit, a top 10 unit with the talent you have up front. And then next year, now what do we want to do? We have another year. We know what we are. Our quarterback play has allowed us to evaluate the rest of the players on the offense. That's the only bar I think you really need to clear. And if you do that, are we ready to make a trade up? What does the quarterback pool look like? I just think doing it on their at their own pace and not getting yeah. ahead of themselves is going to be the biggest question they have to answer this offseason. 
And luckily enough, they're in a division. They they can do whatever the hell they want. That's right exactly now. right. <laughs> it's I mean, like you said, I I think they're in a good place. Not in the sense that yes, they need a quarterback, so that's never a good place. But yes, in a sense that more in a sense that they can matriculate, they can wander around how they want to do this. They can kind of go, yeah, let's, we can we can maybe take a flyer on this guy, take a flyer on this guy. I do think they just have options, which isn't a bad place to be in. Um, I just yeah, the the pick being. Is it 18 or 20? 18? 19. The pick being 19. The pick being 19. Yeah. Oh my God. The 17 thing is going to screw me up for the rest of my life. But the, uh, <laughs> but, you know, but being at pick 19, you're not going to get one of those guys. And they're not in a position that, like, I like the guy, Mac Jones. I know we're talking a little draft right here, but that's not a position for them to take that guy. Um, I just think they're in a spot where it's just like, have a rental, get competent play. And Heineke shows that he's competent play. He's going to know Scott Turner's offense. It's like the only offense he's been in. He's gonna think know about it, how much you know, better they looked on offense with so him much better. during that quarter in week 16 and the playoff game. If they get yeah. that level of quarterback play or something close to it, that's more than enough. Don't step outside of yourself. You are not close. Do not think that you're close. I think them playing this on the Chris Ballard Colts pacing and timeline is the way to do this. And I think that Correct. there's no problem in that. So that to I me agree. is the biggest question. Do they think the same about their timeline? All right. Let's get to our next team here, the Philadelphia Eagles. I, I don't even know where to start with this. We can spend an hour on this. I don't want to because I don't have the time. My question, how hard does Philly hit the reset button? And that yeah. to me is the number one question with that is, do they pick a quarterback at six if one is there? And I, if they like a guy, they should. Because yeah. I don't think Jalen Hurts did anything to preclude you from picking a quarterback with the six overall pick if you like one of the guys who's there. Yeah, I, I think if you like the guy, guy falls there, take him, move on, figure it out. I don't even know if they have enough money to pay their number six overall pick. <laughs> like it's, they might have to trade. It's rough. They might have to trade out of necessity just so they can afford it. Like I, I, I kind of kidding, but kind of serious when I say that. Yeah, I think it's just gonna, they're going to continue the fire sale. I think hurts really. I love the kid. I, I think he's a good, really though. He's a high end backup fringe starter that you know you get get you out of some games and you have a special package of plays for him. I, I, you know, the old line's getting old. Defense has question marks all over. It's a new regime. Just, I don't know. If they have a quarterback, it's not there. And if the quarterback's not there, trade it. I, I just think there's no other answer for them. Um, it feels like can. it's fire sale time, but they don't have the avenues to a fire sale because yeah. of the way these contracts are structured. I was looking at it. I was like, oh, well, what happens if they trade Graham and trade Cox? How much cap relief can they get? Do you know what the answer to that is? Zero. It's nothing. Their bonuses <laughs> left on their deals are essentially the exact same price as their 2021 cap hits. It's 23 for Cox and 17 for Graham. Oh there is no God. relief anywhere. And this typically, when you look at some of the base salaries, and that's how you can create space, like the Rams with Donald and Ramsey, you don't want to do that with 30-year-old Fletcher Cox when you don't know no. what your future is. And all of these other deals, Slay, Brandon Brooks, Javon Hargrave, they just handed those out. It's a mess. I, I it mean, is. it is. It, they were designed to go all in and then they're blowing it up. And <laughs> it's like the Falcons were the same way, right? The yeah. Falcons were in the same spot, but at least the Falcons still have Matt Ryan. Yeah. Like at least the Falcons, you could imagine them being a top seven offense this year with your eyes closed. The Eagles just aren't in that spot. I just... I have no idea what they want to be or how they're going to get there. In 2022, they have flexibility. You know, they they can wiggle out of this if necessary. 
But yeah. 2021 is going to be ugly no matter how you cut it. So how much do they feel like they need to move on from some of these guys? How much of the core do they retain? I think that's the biggest question. I have no idea what the answer is. All right, let's get to the Dallas Cowboys. I think this is easy. What happens with Dak? And, yeah. and what does his return show us about the Cowboys? Because that to me is the secondary part of this. I think Mike McCarthy got a pass last year because his quarterback got hurt. Oh, you think? They, they were... <laughs> They, I was looking up the numbers again today. Dak was 15th in EPA per play among quarterbacks last year. Those 500-yard games were not chock full of efficiency, my friend. No. I It was... No. <laughs> now, when you get that offense back intact for the most part, if Collins comes back, Smith, you have the receivers, you have Dak, all right, now your guys are here. What do you actually look like? So that, to me, is the biggest question. If you bring Dak back, what does it tell you about the franchise and the coaching staff and everyone else you have there because last year that answer was robbed from you. Yeah. I, I said if the Cowboys were a choose your adventure book, 280 pages of it would be deck contract negotiations and 20 pages would be the results from those. <laughs> that would be, it'd be, did he sign it? Yes. Did he sign it? No. Okay. What happens from there? And it, But it, that's all their off season should be. They put themselves in this position. So I don't feel bad for them whatsoever. Uh, but it's, it's one of those things where it's, yeah, like you said, they got a pass last year. We, I tuned out of the Cowboys. As soon as he got hurt, it was like, ears off. Do not care. Don't care about the star. Don't care about Jerry. I, I watched Nothing. a shockingly little amount of the Cowboys last season. Oh, and, I, and I'm not oh. afraid to admit that. Oh, me too. I, I think I watched one game in the middle of the season. I was like, oh, their defense came along a little bit. And it was like, that was it. Like I, I watched them a little bit on tape and that was it. But it, yeah, everything, everything should revolve around Dak. It's Dak's off season. It's the spring of Dak, however you want to put it. But it, it's, that's, that's what it is. That's the only question that should matters for them. Yeah. They got the other stuff. How's Dan Quinn's scheme translate? How Tyron Smith's situation? That's all secondary stuff. All and secondary. It, does not Right matter. now they have 19 million <laughs> in cap space. That's before they may have to give $37 million to their quarterback because they fucked this up so badly. So oh, yeah. we'll see what happens. I mean, they are not in a great financial position considering yeah. how little talent they have on defense. By the way, their running back is slated to make $13.7 million against the cap this year. If the guy they took over Jalen Ramsey, that guy, that guy, thirteen point seven million dollars against the cap. So sorry, sorry, Kent, who's producing this podcast. All right, last one, the New York Giants. I, I will leave this to you. What was your question about the Giants? What does a true Joe Judge team look like? Because <laughs> I was trying to find something. Um, I, I I know we have the easy answer. I, I joked about the 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 Lions and Patricia. You know the oh the Patriot way, tough football guy and all that. But you know he was a special teams guy. You only could put so much fingerprint on special teams as a head coach, other than that they're competent. You know, um, but he's not Mangini. He's not Patricia. Patricia going someplace and trying to control C, control V. You know Belichick's ways of defense, and we're going to run one double. We're going to bring this third down pressure and. You know, and they're trying to mix and, and match you know what? personnel. I think that's a testament to Patrick Graham and how much he was willing to adjust last season on defense. I don't think oh, we talked about God, how yes. good of a job he did last year with that's not a lot of talent into. on that side of the ball. Oh my God. I know that's the defense was surprisingly one of the better units to watch of all the NFL last year. Uh, you know, so 64 units, if we're talking offense and defense, one of the more surprisingly fun ones to watch, just aggressive and just well coached, you can tell. Um, but yeah, but 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 Judge isn't a defensive guy. Even he has a receiver background. If if we're going offense, so it was interesting to see because we don't see a lot of Patriots guys that are offensive guys. We it's Josh McDaniels and Charlie Weiss, right? And Bill O'Brien, you know, I guess counts as one. Um, but it's like you know we see all, so those guys, but 
kind of different ways of going about it. So I, I just want to see what is Joe Judge, what is his ID, other than being a tough football guy. But I, I th- do think he gets it. Um, are they going to try and ID certain guys or of his mindset or culture? Are they going to like Patriot knockoffs like Patricia tried to do? Or are they going to be just like he identifies guys that would fit the Patriot, Patriot way that don't necessarily have to be former Patriots. Um, are they going best player available? Is that Gettleman's decision? Like, I'm just, I'm just curious. I'm curious how much of a fingerprint Joe judge is going to have on this team. That that's really what I'm, I, I really want to see with them. They're in such a strange spot and, and I just don't really understand. And that's kind of my big question is I just don't know what they're going to do or what they want to be. How much cap space do you think the New York giants have at this exact moment? 16 million. <laughs> It's significantly less than that. It's nine hundred thousand oh, no. dollars. They are really? up, they are up against the cap. Yes, and there are some God. moves they can make to alleviate that. I mean, they can move yeah. on from some of their expensive offensive linemen. They can move on from Golden Tate. There are avenues for them to get some money. But this team is just so strangely built. I just yeah. don't understand the vision or what it's supposed to be. And I think that Daniel Jones and his development is a big part of that. But that's kind of the thing is I just don't get it. All right, guys, that's all we got today. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow to do the same thing with the AFC with Lindsey Jones. Until then, please rate and review the podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice. I would really appreciate that. Also, please subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash football show. We're putting out tons of great free agency and off-season primer stuff. Shokapati is top 50 free agents. There was a B-Writer mock draft today that went through every single team with a bunch of great insights. So you're not going to want to miss that stuff. Please check it out. We'll be back tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you later. This was The Athletic Football Show.